Welcome back to our second episode of Science Spotlight, and hello to everyone new to listening. My name is Jenna Jordan, and I'm the marketing manager at Data Cubed Health and the host of our podcast. We were so incredibly lucky to speak with our chief scientific officer, Marie Anakamaya, for our first Science Spotlight episode, where we talked about everything we need to know about behavioral science. But in this episode, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the various components, specifically with motivation and rewards. So I have the pleasure of speaking with our research scientist, Jeng, today, who will talk about the motivation and rewards and how they can be used to drive compliance and retention in clinical trials. Jang, how is it going? How are you today? Hi, it's going wonderful. Thanks for having me. Of course, pleasure as always. So I'm just going to dive right in. Do you mind sharing what are motivations and rewards in terms of behavioral science? Yes, definitely. Um, so in general terms, motivation can be defined as something that modulates us, drives us to participate, engage in activities, um, in goal of, to achieve certain goals. They can be broken down into two large categories, internal motivation. So something that you're motivated to do, um, that is because it's inherently enjoyable to you. So for example, um, someone might participate in clinical trials because they like to contribute to the advancement of the research in that specific area. That can be an example of internal motivation. Another category of motivation is external motivation. That means uh, someone is motivated to complete a task because of something that is external, driving something that they desire. So for example, someone participate in clinical trials because of the monetary benefits. And reward is, can be considered one source of motivation that can be used to incentivize someone to complete a certain activity. And what is important to say, Cornell, I think, is reward can be used as a strategy to move someone between externally to internally motivation. That is done through repeated pairing of rewards with an activity. An example of that is Someone always have had a good experience participating in clinical trials, and now they are motivated to participate even if there's no external rewards such as payments. Hmm, that is so interesting. So now taking one step further into this conversation that we're having about uh, motivation and rewards, so how do those components work from a behavioral science perspective? So that touches to a very interesting field of behavioral science research. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some, how strong a reward is or how effective they are based on, at least in the literature of behavioral science, can depend on a multitude of factors. Uh, for example, someone's preference towards a reward, someone's satisfaction degree towards a reward. It can be dynamic and could be affected by factors such as uh, one's perception of fairness and expectation. An example can be 
even though one payment can be a good reward externally, if to the person that's receiving the reward, if it's perceived to be um, evenly distributed or it's being paid late or less than expected, then this reward might actually work on the opposite direction, actually removing the rewarding aspect of adding this monitoring payment. And then another important aspect of um, how behavioral science has found rewards to work is that reward learning really occurs on multiple timescales, spanning from just a few seconds to several weeks, and how they work can be affected on these different timescales. Another thing is uh, reward doesn't always work. Uh, for example, there is actually research that found sometimes if you tie rewards to performance, that might actually dampen one's motivation. There, there could be many other discussions brought in here, but I think the take home is when it comes to rewards and motivation, context is really the key. There's no one magical solution or reward that would solve all the problems of everyone everywhere. And the context is really dynamic. That's so interesting that you say that. And I also really like how you incorporated, you know, how rewards don't always work. It's always good to, you know, obviously we want to hear how things work, but, you know, we always have to be realistic and sometimes it might not always work. So I appreciate you diving in a little bit more into that. So my next question I have for you is, so why are motivation and rewards important in clinical trials? Do you mind expanding on that? Yes, of course. Thank you. So the reason that DataCube really focuses on incorporating reward and motivation into our products is because of its importance in clinical trials. That its importance can be expanded across a couple of categories, um, the importance of participant engagement, the importance of retention of participants throughout study duration, and the importance of compliance. So how compliant a participant is when completing different tasks, activities in Google file. And all of these factors are very important in terms of data quality, in terms of whether the study sample represents the diverse population that are trying to study. And all of these then in turn really affects the integrity of the research findings. And then another aspect of it is, is really the high cost of patient loss. Everyone knows that it costs a lot of resources to recruit participants. So without motivation and rewards, the loss of patients can be greater, leading to much higher cost of clinical trial research. And another aspect I like to point out is that clinical trials can sometimes be quite heavy in terms of context and rewards and motivations can be used to create a more positive experience for participants when it applies. And I think that's an also another aspect in addition to the considerations for data quality, compliance and patient retention. Thank you. That was super interesting to learn more about. So my final question I have for you, and 
I know we talked about what are motivation and rewards in terms of behavioral science? How do those components work from a behavioral science perspective and why are they important in clinical trials? My last question is, how have we applied this behavioral science component here at Data Qtel? Thank you for setting that up. Yeah, so of course. <laughs> I would like to approach this question um, from two ways. First is going back to our discussion, the mentioning of how rewards learning happens across different timescales. And that reflected in DataQ's product is that our reward system are designed to take place across three different intervals, short-term rewards, meaning they are immediate, they are happen, they happen right after completion of study activities, such as e-pros, e-diaries, site visits, etc. And then we also have medium-term rewards that we use really to help manage expectation. That also touches back to my point of how participants perceive perceived expectation also affects the effectiveness of rewards. So adding in these medium-term rewards can be used to establish an expectation of what rewards will come to motivate people to stay in the study so that they don't miss out on the promised rewards. And then we also have long-term rewards. And these are really much um, larger, rarer, and more tangible in comparison to the medium-term rewards. The goal of that is to make these long-term rewards more impactful. Some of the examples can include contribution to research, study updates, and this is reflective of a lot of the clinical research where they found that one of the key motivations for participants to participate in clinical trial research oftentimes is that they are motivated to contribute to the literature and the research advancement. And then outside from these different timescales of rewards and motivation, another thing, another category I like to focus on is the variety and the configurability of our design. Like I mentioned earlier, how reward and motivation work is really context specific. Different patient population, different demographics groups, they could prefer different types of rewards or how they work. And to meet those diverse needs, DataCube platform really provides a broad variety of different types of rewards. So some of the examples include digital gems, which can be used to purchase avatar store items. We also offer options of using monetary compensation, such as gift cards, we also have the option of donation. And then it comes to our mini games and treasure chest store. And lastly, there's also the addition of articles and notifications as a way of communication between study sites and participants, and also informing participants of the areas that, that they're interested in. Oh my goodness. So we clearly have applied this a lot <laughs> at our company, yes, which is definitely. Ex excellent. Excellent. Well, honestly, Jen, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk to you about today. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us the basics of motivation and rewards from a behavioral science standpoint. 
I know I thought it was incredibly insightful. And for all of our listeners, I hope you thought it was just as insightful. Um, I hope that everyone enjoyed our second episode of Science Spotlight. And of course, you can always come back um, and join our next episode that we're going to be having in the upcoming weeks. And again, you can also always access our podcast at any time on the Data Cubed Health website. And until next time, I'm Jenna Jordan. And thanks for listening to Science Spotlight by Data Cubed Health. And thanks, Jang, again so much. Thank you. All right.